J.C. Ryle's Devotional Thoughts on the Gospel of Luke Section 76 Warnings and Encouragements Luke chapter 12, verses 1 through 7 In the meantime, when they were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch they trode one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. And I say unto you, my friends, Be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that they have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. The words which begin this chapter are very striking when we consider its contents. We're told that a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another. And what does our Lord do? In the hearing of this multitude, he delivers warnings against false teachers and denounces the sins of the times in which he lived unsparingly, unflinchingly, and without partiality. This was true charity. This was doing the work of a physician. This was the pattern which all his ministers were intended to follow. Well would it have been for the church and the world if the ministers of Christ had always spoken out as plainly and faithfully as their master used to do. Their own lives might have been made more uncomfortable by such a course of action, but they would have been far more useful to souls. The first thing that demands our attention in these verses is Christ's warning against hypocrisy. This is a warning of which the importance can never be overrated. It was delivered by our Lord more than once during his earthly ministry. It was intended to be a standing caution to his whole church in every age and in every part of the world. It was meant to remind us that the principles of the Pharisees are deeply ingrained in human nature, and that Christians should always be on their guard against them. Hypocrisy is a subtle leaven which the heart is always ready to receive. It is a leaven which, once received into the heart, infects the whole character of a man's Christianity. Of this leaven, says our Lord, in words that should often ring in our ears, of this leaven, beware. Let us ever nail this caution in our memories and bind it on our hearts. The plague is around us on every side. The danger is at all times. What is the essence of Romanism and formalism and ceremonialism? What is it all but the leaven of the Pharisees under one shape or another? The Pharisees are not extinct. Pharisaism lives still. 
if we would not become Pharisees, then let us cultivate a heart religion. Let us realize daily that the God with whom we have to do looks far below the outward surface of our profession and that he measures us by the state of our hearts. Let us be real and true in our Christianity. Let us abhor all part-acting and affectation and semblance of devotion, put on for public occasions, but not really felt within. Our hypocrisy may deceive man and get us the reputation of being very religious, but it cannot deceive God, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be made known. Whatever we are in religion, let us never wear a cloak or a mask of religion. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. The second thing that demands our attention in these verses is Christ's warning against the fear of man. Do not be afraid, he says, of those who kill the body, and after that they can do no more. But this is not all. He not only tells us whom we ought not to fear, but of whom we ought to be afraid. Fear him, Jesus says, fear him who after the killing of the body has power to cast you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. The manner in which the lesson is conveyed is very striking and impressive. Twice over the exhortation is enforced, Fear him, says our Lord. Yes, I tell you, fear him. The fear of man is one of the greatest obstacles which stand between the soul and heaven. What will others say of me? What will they think of me? What will others do to me? How often these little questions have turned the balance against the soul and kept men bound hand and foot by sin and the devil. Thousands would never hesitate a moment to storm a breach or face a lion who dare not face the laughter of relatives, neighbors, and friends. Now, if the fear of man has such influence in these times, then how much greater must its influence have been in the days when our Lord was upon earth? If it is hard to follow Christ through ridicule and ill-natured words, then how much harder must it have been to follow him through prisons, beatings, scourgings, and violent deaths? All these things our Lord Jesus knew well. No wonder that he cries, Do not be afraid. What is the best remedy against the fear of man? How are we to overcome this powerful feeling and break the chains which it throws around us? There's no remedy like that which our Lord recommends. We must supplant the fear of man by a higher and more powerful principle, the fear of God. We must look away from those who can only hurt the body to him who has all dominion over the soul. We must turn our eyes from him who can only injure us in this present life to him who can condemn us to eternal misery in the life to come. Armed with this mighty principle, we shall not play the coward. Seeing him who is invisible, we shall find the lesser fear melting away before the greater and the weaker fear disappearing before the stronger. I fear God said Colonel Gardiner, and therefore there is no one else 
that I need to fear. It was a noble saying of martyred Bishop Hooper when a Roman Catholic urged him to save his life by recanting at the stake. Life is sweet and death is bitter, but eternal life is more sweet and eternal death is more bitter. The last thing that demands our attention in these verses is Christ's encouragement to persecuted believers. He reminds them of God's providential care over the least of his creatures. Not one sparrow is forgotten by God. He goes on to assure them that the same fatherly care is engaged on behalf of each one of themselves. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Nothing, whatever, whether great or small, can happen to a believer without God's ordering and permission. The providential government of God over everything in this world is a truth of which the Greek and Roman philosophers had no conception. It is a truth which is especially revealed to us in the Word of God. Just as the telescope and microscope show us that there is order and design in all the works of God's hand, from the greatest planet down to the least insect, so does the Bible teach us that there is wisdom, order, and design in all the events of our daily life. There's no such thing as chance, luck, or accident in the Christian's journey through this world. All is arranged and appointed by God, and God causes all things to work together for the believer's good. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. If we profess to be believers in Jesus Christ, then let us seek to have an abiding sense of God's hand in all that befalls us. Let us strive to realize that our Father's hand is measuring out our daily portion and that our every step is ordered by Him. A daily practical faith of this kind is one grand secret of happiness and a mighty antidote against murmuring and discontent. We should try to feel in the day of trial and disappointment that all is right and all is well done. We should try to feel on the bed of sickness that there must be a needs be for it. We should say to ourselves, God could keep these afflictions away from me if he thought fit, but he does not do so, and therefore they must be for my advantage. I will lie still and bear them patiently. Whatever pleases God shall please me.